Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What an absolutely ridiculous night of basketball. The Warriors live to fight another day by the slimmest of margins, 106-105. Kevin Durant came back played looked amazing had 11 points in 12 minutes and was plus six the Warriors were rolling and then he goes down we thought live it was just an aggravation of the calf injury and that maybe it was worth giving it a a go for him now news comes that is an Achilles injury of unknown severity but generally there aren't Achilles injuries that aren't extremely severe it's a partial tear potentially there's some hope it's that possibly a, a full tear so KD clearly done for the series but the Warriors somehow hold on after weathering a ridiculous 10-0 run from Kawhi Leonard that put the Raptors up six with under three minutes remaining they go on a 9-0 run with two Klay Thompson threes sandwiching a a Steph Curry three and then just by the skin of their teeth uh, hold on uh, uh, against this Raptors team and just uh, how are you feeling after this incredibly emotional night of basketball I, I would say I, I think drained is 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 a good word for it I mean it, it's it's such a hard balance because this was a fascinating important engaging basketball game that had just incredible ebb and flow I mean you had the beginning stretch where the Warriors just were, were scoring everything and and then the Raptors to their immense credit took that licking and kept on that's been a big part of this this series is that they've survived a lot of these Warriors runs and then Durant goes down and you know the Warriors lead it lead at halftime and but it feels yeah, like and, it's... And, and while KD was playing it was just completely different I'm I mean, yes, big surprise totally right? different. And, and and totally different while it was obvious that he wasn't 100 I thought the few times that he tried to drive you know he really didn't look comfortable we talked to last night about how you know those plays where he has to really reach that leg behind him and push off the calf weren't going to be too good for him and maybe the spot up shooting and the defensive slides would be good i'm i'm sad that i was as prophetic as that was uh because obviously that's uh, how he re-injured it but it looked like this is totally different now like all of a sudden steph curry is going crazy and they're getting layups at the rim and kd hits his first two threes over Kawhi, and now Kawhi has to stick to him and everything that we said about just even having you know even if it wasn't 100 percent kd just having that guy with his height who's just one of the greatest shooters of all time just shooting over the defense on spot up threes and playing passable defense he had a block shot as well was just was going to completely change the complexion of the series they're switching everything the raptors did a good job of attacking that but early on at least 
But you thought not only is KD back, not only do they have a chance to win this game, but maybe they really could do the 3-1 comeback. Maybe KD being back is, is going to change everything. And then, and the, the game was at this frenetic pace. And then all of a sudden to see him go down was just so absolutely deflating. Just as far as the overall series, you still thought maybe the Warriors could win the game. Although I, I felt like they're underdogs until the moment the bu- final buzzer sounded basically. Uh, but it was just... Well, but then Overall, I, I want to yeah. go through some of the other ebb and flow of the second half. Oh, because, sure, yeah. Because so, so well, well, cousins coming in right after KD goes out and going on like his personal seven zero seven zero run, which was massive. Yeah, and, uh, he, and and cousins has that has that run, and then it, it it kind of was it kept on being like no, the this is the Raptors game, and then the Warriors kept on pushing it out, and the same thing was true at the beginning of the of the second half. The Warriors start Kevon Looney, and they're playing the closest facsimile to these to the like aggressive switching defense that they played with a center on the floor. I thought the defense looked pretty good. They actually extend the lead out and then Looney gets hurt. And we still don't know exactly what's what's going on with him. He said he expects to play in game six, told Anthony Slater that we'll see where it goes from yeah. here. here, here I, I think the issue is, and he said this after game four too, that towards the end of the game, it gets worse. Uh, he clearly did something to aggravate it, uh, but he gets shot up at the beginning of the game and then it wears off. That seems yeah. to be what the, what the problem So maybe is. they should just play him more in the first half and just think that maybe he's a first half player. Like that's an entire, entirely a possibility in game yeah, six. Yeah, or, or shoot him up at halftime. I mean, if I, they can, I don't, I don't, I don't I don't think, I don't know what the mechanics of that are. But. Yeah, I don't know the health th- the health elements of that. And so then Looney becomes unavailable, and then sitting there going, "Well, well, what are the yeah. rotations going to be?" Then that's and, really and they when... started him in the second half, right, Looney? Right, they, and then he when yeah. he came out, and, he and couldn't come back. And they were switching. In. They were switching with him. And aside from the first quarter when Gasol was slipping beautifully to the rim, the switching I thought worked really well for them, yes. which we'd been calling for all series. It, it did, and I mean, you saw, and, and some of it early on was also just a ton of missed threes by the Raptors support players. They were one of six in the first quarter, the only one made by Marcus Ole. And then they that's, you know, rebounded a little bit in the in the later going, but not, you know, so and then Kawhi, you know, he's been quiet for through three quarters, 14 points in total in 32 minutes, and then he just pours it on at the beginning of that fourth quarter and you know the and has has one of the i think it was about five minutes to go has that kevin durant-esque pull-up three that gave the raptors i believe a one-point lead and then it keeps on going and they're up and remember the warriors like because looney's out Durant is obviously out and trying to figure out which is who they're going to play. And then there was the weird thing about Pascal Siakam not being on the floor, which was something that came up a little bit on the NBA cast. It was it was surreal. And then Nick Nurse. I mean, I und- it's one of those circumstances where I understand why he called the timeout. And it is timeouts yeah. plural. I don't know that the, the yeah. S really matters there. Well, well, so here's what he said when he got asked about it after the game. He, he said, uh, I called them to give our guys some rest. That's what he said. And it certainly did that. And he, and he knows his guys, you know, obviously better than I do in terms of in their own rest. But... The challenge with managing timeouts when you have momentum and a talent advantage is that your team isn't the only team that's getting getting the rest. And I, I we were doing the NBA cast, and I said I thought it was a mistake because yeah. the Raptors and I agreed with you. The Raptors looked better than the Warriors, and yes, the Raptors looked tired. Kawhi Kawhi had had some looked look fatigued. Yeah, but he the just Warriors got on that 10-0 run. Yeah, you know, but the Warriors looked tired. more tired. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when you are giving your guys a rest, you're also giving the other team rest, and that also allowed Kerr to maneuver a little bit with the lineups. They they also they whether 
a coincidence or not, they def- the Warriors defended a lot better, including some more aggressive stuff on Kawhi after that point. And you have all these contributing factors, all these storylines. No single thing is the reason either of these teams won or lost. But you know, it all it all adds together. And so this was it, it was a, a crazy night. And then sadly, it got significantly more crazy afterwards. I mean, with with the news that Durant's injury is more severe than we than we hoped and definitely more severe than I anticipated. And we don't know the full the full scope. As you said, you know, there aren't there aren't too many like not terrible Achilles things, you know, like it could be bad or it could be way worse. But we'll we'll have to see on that. That'll be something that we we talk about more at length on probably tomorrow's episode of the show once we have a, a, a more firm idea of what exactly this is. But there's also just an incredible game of basketball to talk about, and we're going to get more of it. Yeah, well, uh, I got a little more on the KD thing, uh, but it's a good time for a SeatGeek read. Apparently, uh, people on Zach Lowe's podcast, they're saying that it was four grand just to get in the door at the Air Canada Center for this uh, potential clincher. And that then, obviously, this last game at Oracle Arena, game six uh, on Thursday night is going to be insane as well. And your best chance to get tickets, whether it's there or for anyone else or for a concert this summer, any other sporting event, theater tickets, you guys know what it is. You've been listening for a long time. SeatGeek. SeatGeek rates each deal on a scale of one to 10 and durate or displays them. And it has been a long emotional night uh, on an interactive seat map. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. So you look for that big fat green dot. You can stop searching for the perfect seat. Wonder if paying five bucks more or 10 bucks more for another couple rows further up, but maybe a little bit away from center court is worth it or not. Their algorithms are fantastic. I, I use SeatGeek regularly whenever I'm going for tickets. When I make my annual trip with my wife to Milwaukee for games, since the Bulls aren't any good anymore, we go to see games in Milwaukee when we go back home to Chicago. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop with confidence. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. SeatGeek will even give you 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Make sure you use that promo code CAPSPACE when you download the SeatGeek app and get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CAPSPACE. Make sure you remember that to let them know that you came from us and to get that 10 bucks. So a number of articles came out. Kawakami had one. Sam Amick had one. And Sir Kawakami... His closing line was, if Clay Thompson, or I can't remember the other player he used, maybe Draymond, had suffered this injury, would they be out there already? And Amick went further saying that there was a frustration among the Warriors players. There definitely were Warriors players talking to the media. I, I, I think there are other articles too that maybe didn't cross my desk. But there definitely were Warriors players carping to the media about the fact that KD was not back yet. And a lot of people saying on social media, oh, because he wanted to be a free agent. And, and you know, why even bother coming back at all? And painting him as a malinger. And, you know, he didn't even want to come back and all this. So uh, it's rare that I'll do this. But uh, let me play this little clip for you here from yesterday's show. Every single time, just about, that people, whether it's teammates, whether it's the media, whatever, question a guy for supposedly being a Melinger and and being healthy and not playing, it just hasn't ended up well. Whether it's Bill Walton, whether it's Luol Deng in 2009 when he had turned out to have a stress fracture in his leg, whether it was Kawhi last year, especially someone like Kevin Durant. Like, you only have so many times in your life that you can play in an NBA Finals. You know, it's one thing if it's like, you know, Jerome James, who just had one hot playoffs and then got a, a big deal and didn't want to play anymore you know Kevin Durant clearly loves basketball that's what he lives for I would be really really surprised if he's like healthy enough to play and just not do it 
so is this enough now can we stop doing this thing where we question whether guys are actually healthy enough to play when they sit out and you know i don't know what was said by the warriors and their doctors to kd i don't know if they put pressure on him directly certainly kd reads the media it was quite obvious just from watching him that he wasn't entirely comfortable pushing off of that calf and then i thought knowing what the risk was to him or maybe that he just wasn't 100 percent because you know it was said slater had this that you know if this were the regular season it'd be another week or two before he came back and so if that's the case you have to put him in positions where he's not going to stress that out and you know that's something that probably could have or should have been communicated to him as well i have actually had a pretty severe calf injury that i tried to play on i even talked to a doctor and they said yeah just a calf you're not going to injure it worse uh that apparently <laughs> good thing i didn't injure it worse back then but once i saw like kd bringing the ball up and like getting pressured up at half court like one time he tried to get by siakam siakam got called for a foul but he clearly didn't feel comfortable trying to push off and go by him and then they did it again and they switched and they put ibaka on and ibaka is pressuring up and that's a, when what led to the injury and we anybody should know this before the game that when you put him in situations where he's facing the basket where he really has to push off by pushing that right leg behind him you're putting him into a difficult position that you know maybe it's not a question of re-injury but he's not gonna be able to do that very well and so like to call plays where he's bringing the ball up floor i thought was really just not smart at all and and you don't know that this is what's going to happen but you know put him in the post he, he the one time they put him in the post he got double team having come off a screen they did that once uh and have him be a, a spot up shooter and you know maybe as he works into the game which he, he did to some degree you, you can try some of that other stuff but you know curry was out of the game maybe they felt like they wanted to have him handle the ball but i just especially the way he looked i really thought that was not a good decision and maybe he said all right i'm fine i can do that you know between him and them he's cleared so you want to be oh it's kd he's back we're gonna just do the normal stuff but it's that seemed really short-sighted to me and i was saying that live on the show before the injury happened that it just didn't really make sense to use him that way i will defer to your significantly more prodigious lower body injury experience <laughs> on on this point you were mentioning i can't i can't confirm that you were mentioning on the show and it makes sense i mean from the injuries that i've had which are different that certain actions are more risky or more dangerous than others or or more painful sliding sliding your feet jumping off at two feet you're fine there you know that's that's much easier and really you don't necessarily need to make that kind of emotion that often like he could be i mean yeah he's not going to be a thousand percent kd but yeah i mean putting him in that situation where he's pressured up and credit the raptors for and they've done this all series for making nothing easy for him either you know i mean they're i mean i don't credit them for injuring him but for making him work you know i mean that's it was a great philosophy for them um well and and so something that i've been thinking about a lot over the over the last little bit is so jeff stott's in street clothes wrote a piece on june 4th so about a week ago talking about the various injuries that the warriors are going through durant clay thompson and explaining what coastal cartilage is for me with the kavan looney injury and he had this phrase in there that that like i i had for i'm not sure if i'd read jeff's piece but it, it just struck me to my core and i read it before the before the achilles before bob myers said it in the post game before i at least i heard him say it which was that playing through a strained calf can increase 
increase the chances of a secondary injury occurring somewhere else on the kinetic chain. And I was just like, shit, you know, like that. And I, I'm not a kinesiologist. I don't know any of those sorts of things, but that makes logical sense to me just with the way my understanding of muscle groups and everything else that if you're having to compensate for something else, you're straining, you're, you're pushing other things harder that muscles that can lead to, a, can lead to a problem. And so things that make that muscle that is still recovering work harder are, are more fraught. And that, what, what can, the other thing about that is it may, since that makes sense to me in this issue, as opposed to the bone issue that, or, or cartilage issue that Kavon Looney is dealing with, or back to the, like, there was a David Lee issue years ago where that whole idea of like, oh, you can't make it worse. Well, that always seemed weird to me, though I don't have the, I didn't have the knowledge to refute it with a muscle injury. Yeah, and I mean that that's exactly what happens, right? You reach back with your calf, and when your calf doesn't fire, I mean the way you would normally expect it to to absorb that force and act like you know kind of an elastic band of reaching back with your calf pushing off, then that force gets transferred to the Achilles, and that's probably what what happened to him there. Uh, just now, Ramona tweeting that they do believe that in fact there will be a torn right achilles tendon uh i guess that doesn't specify full or partial tear i don't even know again what what a partial tear would mean i don't recall anyone really having that injury i mean there's maybe like that's kind of like a mike conley type of situation but you know this seems like a very acute uh damaging injury and for KD, certainly I, I feel awful uh, for him, you know, especially because he faced these questions uh, in coming back and about to be a free agent. He does have a player option for next year. And I mean, that, that'll become a fascinating part of this uh, as well. He, he would be due $31.5 million if he were to opt into that. The recovery timeline, you know, six to nine months. I think he'll be a faster healer maybe than someone like Cousins. That's what's normally put out there. So maybe he could be back by, you know, the playoffs next year. And I think he's, given his skill level, even if he's not quite the same as a driver, you know, I think he can still be a pretty effective player, but probably, you know, he'll never get back to being best in the league type of levels like he is. And I feel bad for him there too. I mean, he was just finally getting to the point where I I don't know how important this was to him, but where he was going to take the throne from LeBron James and he was having the best playoffs maybe of any one when he went down with that initial injury playing 43 minutes a game against the Rockets and now you know it appears that that, that uh, is not going to be a, his destiny and who knows maybe this means he's more likely to come back to the Warriors whether by opting in I mean I think he no matter what he would still get you know a, a fairly significant contract maybe he opts out and he resigns with the Warriors for a, a that five-year deal just because he can get it and, and everyone feels like they owe it to him or maybe he's now just so disgusted with the Warriors organization that he just can't wait to get out of there but certainly this is going to be a huge blow for any team that was hoping to sign him this summer as well and uh Again, we'll talk more about that, you know, once the full diagnosis is confirmed. But I, I do feel really bad for him because the one thing that everyone has ever said about Kevin Durant is say everything that you want about him. The guy loves basketball and that that is his sanctuary and he loves that more than anything else. And now that for that to be taken away from him, uh, it's got to be extremely difficult when he was playing as well as he absolutely ever had before this miserable string of events. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crushing for him. And I mean, Durant, so this is 
is his age 30 season. Don't know where the story goes from here, and some of that will come up later. But I think a, a place to kind of pivot to a little bit here was his impact on the Warriors on the court. And so I for I, I pulled the stats because I thought I, I I noticed it at the time, but it was it was even more striking after the fact too of. Kevin Durant's impact on Stephen Curry's efficiency. So Curry and Durant played 10 minutes together because Durant, he only sat for two minutes and 17 seconds of the, of the second, of the first quarter. And then he came back in and then he, and then he started the second and then that's when he got hurt. And so Curry and Durant played 10 minutes together. In those 10 minutes, the Warriors put up a 161 offensive rating and Curry four for four, made a three, made three twos, nine points, three assists, one rebound. So he had a 113 true shooting percentage. And then in the 32 minutes, Curry played without Kevin Durant. I mean, this would still be a good night for a lot of people. 22 points, six 19 from the field, 66 from the line, four assists, seven rebounds, but 51 true shooting, uh, 95-2 offensive rating. So we talked about how, and this is true, it's still true, how the Raptors defense had done an incredible job and how they'd focused on Curry and tried to take the ball out of his hands and all that kind of stuff. We saw in that 10 minutes just how big an impact Durant has on the rest of the offensive ecosystem. Yeah, and also just simply having a guy who can knock down the shots too, I mean, and has some kind of size defensively, allowing them to switch, you know, and allowing them to actually finish at the rim, which basically was not available to them the rest of the way, other than the, a couple of those Cousins plays where, I mean, DeMarcus just could not get off the ground at all unless he can just really warm up and like he did uh, on that goaltend uh, late in the game. But he just managed to will it in the basket, got fouled another couple of times, although he was only one of four from the line. And there's just a little bit more space there right when he came back in. Everyone seemed like they were kind of shell-shocked and he came out, hit, got his confidence going with a couple of layups and then hit a big three his three-point shooting i mean is just you know he used to be a really good three-point shooter 35 percent pretty high volume guy his last couple of years and now he's that's hasn't been a part of his game but because he saw the ball go through the basket a couple times he took that one uh, with confidence uh, and made it and so his performance was huge 14 points six of eight yes he got attacked pretty relentlessly in pick and roll i'm not going to tell you that he had a good defensive night but he did just enough and made just enough plays for golden state to survive um what else stuck out of you just uh, from the the meat of this game i mean I, I curry the first half second half splits were huge too he's seven of 11 for 23 points in the first half and until he hit that late three i think he was you know like one for eight or something in the in the second half i'll, I'll pull that actually right now well so he ended the the second half three of 12 two of nine from three yeah so so he was one out of eight before uh, that last one on some pretty decent looks too i mean he had chances in the third uh, and then uh, as the raptors were making their comeback in the fourth uh and just could not knock them down uh but i thought it was key that kerr uh, they did have a six-point lead but kerr actually rested him this time and he rested clay thompson this time which i thought was really important uh, just to give him just enough and you know late he had uh, that three and it had enough energy energy for another hard push that got Thompson that late three so it, it did pay off even if he wasn't looking great uh early uh, once he returned in the fourth quarter uh well so there were, were some really yeah. interesting elements of this game from the Raptors perspective one notable one that kind of shaped the game at a few different moments was Fred Van Vliet's foul trouble so he has been the best defender on Stephen Curry overall and 
he committed two fouls on ste- on Curry three pointers. The first of which I wouldn't have called, and I don't. I mean, it, it it was so late. Basically, Van Vliet hit Curry, and it looked like it was more hand wrist than like yeah, arm. I mean, it, like his arm was fully extended after the follow through. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean there was contact, but that's like you know that that wasn't any like he'd already landed safety. from the shot. Like it yeah, was, yeah. and and so they they called, and he missed that. Curry missed that shot, so it was a three shot foul. I believe Curry made. Yeah, he made all three of those shots. He made all six of his free throws. And then the later one was an absolutely correct call. I mean, Van Vliet just, he was late. He was helping out, closed out hard on Curry and and committed that foul. And then he, he picked up a third a little bit later on. And, and even though, and, and that was a part of how Curry got going a little bit after Durant went down in that first half. But I thought that was a, a notable dynamic in this game. Kyle Lowry distributing. I mean, that was something we saw in the fourth quarter of game four. I thought he made an impact there as a driver, particularly in the second yeah, half, but it, also a moment. Lowry in- was seven of 10 from two in this game. Yeah. And a lot of those were just going right at DeMarcus where he would get it in the lane, up fake, and, and then just get a, a nice look kind of fading away to his left, which is where he's uh, the most comfortable. Uh, and there's a one time in ISO where DeMarcus just didn't know that they're supposed to send him right and let him get right to the left hand. There's another time where he was able to make, Lowry was able to make a great move to his right and then uh, spin back uh, over his right shoulder, but you know, kind of going to his left for the jumper. But yeah, he got it in the lane and, and was able to be patient and make great decisions. And that pick and roll was carving Golden State up a, a fair amount of the time. And it was, I mean, we haven't seen that from Lowry actually getting to the basket in quite some time, but the Warriors, you know, are not the intimidating shot blocking team that uh, Philly and Milwaukee are. Also, I mean, it was especially true in the first half, but Marcus Gasol's ability to stay on the floor in this series has been impressive and important. And offensively, he was one of their better players early on. He had a couple of nice rolls to the basket, also had that three, which was the only made three-pointer by the Raptors in the first quarter, got to the free throw line a bunch at various players' expense. And, you know, 17 points, eight rebounds. He did have five fouls, but, you know, they had Serge Ibaka there. And I thought Ibaka continued a lot of the positive developments that happened for him during the the Oakland games in this series and had another nice game overall. You know, not a perfect one, to be sure. And then another weird part of this was Norm Powell basically not playing in the first three quarters of this game. He played a total of two minutes and 26 seconds in the first three quarters and then played nine, sorry, 10 minutes and one second in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but he he was plus six. I think they were just had it going with the comeback. And Danny Green, this was uh, another famine game for him. I mean, I swear to God, he shoots like 70% from three or 0% from three each game and it averages out to 45% but he might be the most feast or famine player on the offensive end in the league and which is not surprising when you're very reliant on spot up threes for your offense that that can happen he was 0 for 4 Lowry for all his brilliance was one out of six and Siakam part of why I think he wasn't out there late was he was missing corner threes and they were able to to help off him because Siakam was 0 for 4 and the Raptors overall 8 out of 32 um I thought maybe the the idea was that Powell is the guy who among those wing options who can both hit the initial shot and then also drive and score but I think it was more just based on well he was out there when we were playing well so I'm just going to leave him out there you know I, I don't I don't ascribe that much thought to it frankly and, and you know certainly leaving him out he had that big dunk uh, off of the Kawhi non-travel which wasn't uh, which a travel was not, yeah it wasn't even close to a travel it, yeah and the Warriors just, just stopped yeah and they, they had a couple of plays in the, in the fourth quarter where 
they were upset with the refs and just stopped playing. Like they, they, you know, when it really was going wrong for them, they recovered impressively, but you felt like, you know, they just mentally was getting away from them at times in the fourth. Well, yeah, there was also that play where Clay Thompson was behind it, complaining to the refs. And then he, he, it took him probably like 10 seconds to get back into the play. And Lowry got a three, which missed, but was, was open created. There was also the, was, was that the one where Lowry committed one of three obvious fouls that should have been his fourth early in the third? No, this was after this was after oh, that this was later on. but yeah that, that was another crazy thing in this game where so Lowry picks up three for so the two players who were in big foul trouble in the second quarter for the for the Raptors Gasol got into it, I think it was a little bit later but it was Lowry and Van Vliet they both picked up two I believe two first quarter fouls and then they each picked up the third in the second quarter and then Lowry on, of course on the four to start the third he's like the first play of the of the of the third quarter, he fouls Draymond Green, and the refs are just like, "Nope, we're just not going to call it." And then a few minutes later, he there's a he tries to draw a charge on Kavon Looney, which the shocking part of that was that there was no call. Period. Like it seemed like it had to be a block or a charge. It was severe. Like it was pretty severe contact for to be a no call, and the refs just let that go as well. Yeah, and then he clubbed Clay Thompson on the arm too, and it was pretty obvious that me. That's right. and that that one that one drove him yeah. crazy. That, I think that might be yeah. the one you you were right. That was the one that I think got Clay yeah. off. The yeah, but but that makes up for the kind of BS one that that they gave uh, to Curry. I mean, also yeah. really important Steph Curry. Uh, he's got five free throw attempts on kind of BS jump shot foul drawing plays which he wasn't getting that in Oakland I mean that's those were huge plays yeah I mean the the league needs to figure something out with those like it it was the it was the shooting equivalent of the Chris Paul like guys coming behind you and you just jump backwards into them and and get a foul yeah I mean they're in the bonus anyway so it wouldn't have mattered on that one whether it was a shooting foul or not but yeah when the guy's on your back and then you decide to shoot and they blow the whistle at that point the illegal contact of the guy being on your back has already occurred and they just don't want to call it at that time you're drawing attention to the illegal contact so i think that should be a non-shooting foul but that's uh getting a bit far afield here uh fred van vliet continued his ridiculous end of clock shot making in this series uh, two of his three threes uh, came in that circumstance and, and we haven't talked enough about clay thompson's night 26 points seven of 13 from three he was unbelievable in game four in oakland too by the way uh and then key key defense on Kawhi leonard late in the game after they went away from iguodala on him they started off with clay uh on Kawhi. they had to switch him off after he got his second foul also kudos to steve kerr for not taking out clay in the first quarter and not taking out draymond green in the second quarter when they had two and three fouls respectively both gentlemen finished the game something else we haven't discussed since you brought up draymond's foul trouble he got a technical in this game that could have been loomed even larger yeah well that's a good point in terms of potentially losing the game uh but also now he's on six so one more technical what if they win game six clearly he's going to get one technical in game seven just because he knows that he can't get the suspension but if you get to seven you're suspended but, so if, but he gets, if he gets a tech in game six and they win it's going oh to be man. unreal oh god i really hope that doesn't happen like all the shit we had to deal with in 2016 with this i i, I really don't want to have to analyze that Okay. And you're and you're not the one who did a piece going back through all of his flagrant foul points and and go like I did I did that actually before he was suspended for Game Five in 2016 that one where he tackled Michael Beasley which was 
just so weird in, in in hindsight and everything else that happened. But yeah, I mean, so Kerr let those guys go through their foul trouble, and generally I thought they did well. And the center rotation for Golden State was, was fascinating. So Cousins was not a part of the rotation at all through kind of the first go-round. Yeah, it looked like yeah, he Bogut. wasn't going to play at all. Yeah, I mean, Bogut, so Bogut was in on the floor in the start of the second unit. Then, you know, Cousins comes on the floor to... Yeah, and Kerr said we put him back in because we needed offense, and he got it immediately. I mean, that yeah, was... The seven that was absolutely pushing the right button there. Right. And then this was another circumstance of something, I think it was game three that it happened where Jordan Bell didn't basically didn't play at all in the first three quarters, then comes in and plays power forward because they just needed yeah. Draymond to get a rest and they don't really have that many other options there. So Bell played to start the fourth quarter, then actually did a pretty good job. And so he stayed in for a few minutes at center as DeMarcus Cousins rested. That was, and then he uh, kind of let, let Serge Ibaka go for a dunk. I, I don't remember the exact sequence there. I'm going to rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was a baseline drive where he just turned his head to watch. A uh, ball wash. That's right. Just went right behind. Yeah, him. and Ibaka went right behind him. Not surprisingly, Kerr calls a timeout. Iguodala comes in for Bell, and that's the end of it. I mean, they were going to go with the death lineup or something close to that. For I mean, they were going to go with with Draymond Center or something after that. So it, it didn't. I don't think it really affected Bell's usage, but a little. You know, it's another reminder, and it'll affect it in future games of the series. So yeah, and I mean, now we'll see what happens with Looney's availability. Bogut had that had that weird stretch, and, and, and they desperately need Looney because like they have to be able to switch. That is what is going to allow them to defend this team pretty well. And outside of those Gasol plays going to the rim, where he got did a great job of screening, slipping, getting inside position early uh, on the way to those 15 first half points. You know, I thought that this is by far the best Golden State defense has looked. But still, I mean, keep in mind the formula here. You know, Golden State barely wins this one. They barely won game two. And they took well under, I think Toronto was exactly 25% from three in both games, by my recollection, uh, or pretty darn close to it. And, and Golden State had to go 20 of 42 uh, from three, including 27 combined three-point attempts for Steph and Clay. Uh, so that's uh, to shoot 48% from three have the second most threes ever in the finals behind 24 from the Cavs in that game four win when they were down 3-0 in 2017 uh and to still only win by one I mean it still shows you that Golden State despite their incredible resilience and having a couple of of great players on the team just how little they're able to accomplish from two and you know KD was plus six in this game too and and he had 11 points and if they're not going to have that now you know they still to me remain underdogs in these in two individual games that are coming up not to mention the fact that they have to win both of them uh and i think the fact that it took this incredible three-point shooting performance to to beat the raptors and Kawhi struggled we'll talk about that in a second but uh i i don't feel particularly good about their chances going forward here you know this isn't a they just won game six in okc now they're going back for a game seven if that maybe if they had gotten home court and not kind of messed around in the regular season it might have been a little different but that of course is not the case and even if they win game six in oakland you know maybe that's a 50 50 proposition if you're lucky for the warriors and then they would of course be massive underdogs in a game seven in toronto but certainly they deserve a ton of credit for everything that they're able to do in this game and the heart that they showed being down six with three minutes left and coming back when everything was going against them was pretty incredible 
Right, and I, th- I think that's a, a good way to, to kind of connect a couple of different stories of this game. One, the ridiculous push that Kawhi Leonard had leading into that. So from the 513 mark, he makes a he makes a pull up two. Sorry, a pull up three, makes that makes that pull up three, which puts the Raptors up one. Then Curry misses, you know, they tried to Curry tried to make one back. I thought that the shot that Curry took was pretty tough at the five minute mark. Leonard gets drives into the lane, he gets that kind of basically gets the uh I think it was not a step back, but a, a, a mid-ranger. And then Draymond makes a shot, which was the only shot the Warriors made it for a pretty long sequence. And then Leonard makes the three that puts them up six. And so you're kind of, or, sorry, yeah. puts them up, that that three puts them up four. Iguodala misses a, a rough, rough mid-ranger. Then Kawhi makes the, makes the two that puts them up six. Yeah, Iguodala, I mean, whether, I mean, attacking off the bounce hasn't been his game for a few years now, but especially in his diminished condition, we remember he's dealing with this calf issue uh, as well you know he really is just not capable of making plays uh, off the dribble right now at all and that that's been a problem but Kawhi overall he struggled three of eight around the rim uh, a few of those were his own missed tap backs he did have a crap load of offensive rebounds in this game six of them uh and the only two threes he hit were in that running he actually even missed a couple of corner threes uh, which was a surprise by the way his block on clay thompson's three in the corner like th- at, towards the end of the second quarter like dead bang in the quarter fade away three that like you know only clay thompson takes that shot basically with 15 on the shot clock or whatever it was and Kawhi just blocks it i mean that was just that was a, an insane decision to take that shot but you know it's clay and then it, to block it that that was crazy but i thought it, also five turnovers for Kawhi and 9 to 24 from the field what I mean, the warriors did a yeah go ahead sorry i was going to mention that he had five offensive rebounds in the first half yeah including that one crazy free throw offensive rebound miss where he just beasted draymond green for it and i think they got a two off of that as well uh that no that was a three they got a good soul three off oh that's right yeah um so yeah that was uh but it was not Kawhi's best game that they did a much better job and I thought the switching really uh, was a a huge part of that and you know most of when he was able to get going was when Cousins was in the game and they of course had to play some conventional pick and roll defense he did hit one of those threes over Cousins in the late clock when they switched Cousins onto him uh and DeMarcus probably could have pressed up a little bit more in the late clock to, to force him to drive um but yeah, it wasn't Leonard's best game. And I think the five turnovers to me, he really was playing in a crowd a, a lot more. And just like he was in game two, when they just couldn't hit quite enough shots to, to loosen up the defense. In particular, Siakam only played 34 minutes in this one. I think they're having some trouble scoring when Pascal was out there. And he was only six out of 15 too, which was uh, and The other thing that they did after that first quarter was to, to stop fouling. And Leonard only got eight free throw attempts with so six of eight. So that, that was a big part as well. You know, Kawhi had a couple of plays one where he did the harden through DeMarcus's arm but the Warriors largely uh, avoided fouling it as much and Andre Godala had four blocked shots and I think all of them were like his patented strip move in this game another, uh, another yeah, important dynamic that happened in this was that the Warriors turned the ball over a ton in the early going the possession game was pretty se- oh, yeah. severe in Toronto's favor so the Warriors turned it over it was it was four to four at the end of the first quarter 
but the Raptors had, they not only did they have four offensive rebounds, they were credited with six team rebounds in just the first quarter. So I think two of those were offensive rebounds and then the other ones were defensive, just balls that went out of bounds. But then that went early in the second quarter, the Warriors were throwing the ball around a lot. And then eventually the turnover margin settled down and the Raptors still had a, still had a significant advantage on the offensive glass. But a lot of those came in sequence, so they didn't get as much of a benefit. You know, if you get three offensive rebounds on the same possession, yeah, you, you do have a, a, ch- a greater chance of scoring on that one, but it's not like you created an ex- the same, you didn't get as much fruit from it. So here's a ridiculous stat for you. Golden State had six actual offensive rebounds. They had a couple more team offensive rebounds. They had 19 second chance points. That's basically getting a three every single time you get an offensive rebound. And, and then the Raptors out-rebounded Golden State on the offensive end, 13 to six. And you mentioned all those crazy team rebounds too. And yet they only had 16 second chance points themselves. So all of those offensive rebounds, they got a few plays off of them. But overall, uh, the Raptors just, again, couldn't convert. I think a, a lot of those were some of those threes you want to talk about the end of this game now or you got anything else uh, on the meat of it here no i think we, we can get to the end of it so do you want to start it with the nick nurse timeouts well yeah the only thing i want to add to that is just that when this is the whole thought that led to coaches calling too many timeouts late in games and and nurse didn't do that very late in the game but the whole thought of like all right let's call timeout let's make sure let's run a play let's make sure that we're doing everything right and not really considering the impact of the timeout on the other team who is probably more gassed than your guys were and your crowd is going going batshit insane Steph Curry has just missed a three and you got the ball in Kawhi's hands and he did call that that timeout uh so it's 103-97 Raptors ball Kerr actually goes with Quinn Cook on a defensive possession so he can set something up offensively I think he felt like the problem was they weren't scoring and they switched Draymond on to Kawhi he fouled him out on the floor so nothing going there and then great defense by Clay Thompson on Kawhi in pick and roll got right through it stayed with him forced Kawhi into an impossible fadeaway in the lane where Kawhi had beaten Clay a little bit earlier going to his right where you know Clay was just forced from the baseline and there are a few times the Warriors were just giving up the angle to Kawhi going right to his right hand and once Kawhi gets a shoulder past you then he's able to knock you back and he hit that floater as part of that 10-0 run but Clay did did much better uh, on that play and then Kerr's ATO was really fantastic he had a a number of nice plays that they ran late and this uh, got Thompson a three they did some dummy action with Cook screening for Curry uh, and then he cleared out to the weak side and they'll run this action a lot where Draymond will set the screen for Steph, slip it quickly, and then go away to screen for Clay. The thought being that Steph is now double teamed. Draymond is uncovered. He screens for Clay. That gets Clay wide open. And the Raptors look confused about whether it was a screen or not in switch. Lowry was actually on Draymond on that play. And he just kind of stayed there with Curry. Van Vliet didn't go with Draymond. So that meant that once the ball got to Clay, Leonard actually got through the initial screen, but then Draymond was able to rescreen and there was just nobody there on Draymond. And that's how Clay got that first three to cut it to a three-point lead. And, and then I think the next possession was really important, especially with what happened to follow it. So Raptors get the ball to Marcus Gasol at the elbow and they run a, run a split cut and they're running an action. And both Clay and Draymond follow Kawhi who's running towards the basket leaving Kyle Lowry the other guy in the action wide open for a corner three which he misses and that shot is significant because a would have put the Raptors up six you're up six with I think about two minutes to go yeah he missed the shot with 209 and also because that ended up being what I would consider the last clean look of the game like the last really good look that the Raptors got 
Yeah, it just total miscommunication between Clay and Draymond. Draymond late called out the switch, but it was Lowry going and screening Kawhi out of the corner. A pretty similar action to what Cleveland killed the Raptors with last year when it was George Hill screening for Kevin Love out of the corner. But yeah, smaller player screening for a bigger player to get into the post out of the corner who can then shoot and, and pop out for three is a very difficult action to guard if you can't switch it. And the Warriors it didn't switch it until too late. They got just straight up lucky that Lowry missed that and then Curry came down in transition rushed three off the dribble a shot that he certainly made many times to try and tie it and in pick and roll to Marcus he missed DeMarcus on that drag screen rolling to the rim where he probably could have just gotten a layup but DeMarcus had the path to the offensive board and dunked it and it was called a goaltend on the floor the thought was that it was just too close to overturn the technical definition I went and looked it up again is you cannot touch any ball when it is above the basket ring and within the imaginary cylinder and so does within mean even the slightest part of the ball is in the cylinder that's how i've always interpreted it and despite the fact that it was almost out of the cylinder even on some of those overhead views there's still it looked like just a small part that was in the cylinder i think offensive goaltending is stupid and they should just eliminate it but uh by the letter of the rule i, I think they got it correct even though you know in real time when they don't call a goaltend they let it go and i think you know again there is this because you if you call the goaltend you can review it and if you don't call it you can't review it they probably default towards calling the goaltend more often and, and that might have killed golden say i think if the ref just had to decide live of whether it was good or not it looked pretty good live to to me um so then they went with iguodala for cook after that uh, violation uh, was called he he had cook had been in for andre just due to the lack of shooting and i think just to get andre a little bit more of a rest and this play was Kawhi's lack of passing vision where they run a pick and roll with him and Gasol. Compton does a great job of competing, staying over the screen, but Cousins is also on him. And if Kawhi just looks back to Gasol, Gasol's got a wide open pick and pop three. Instead, he throws it to Lowry. Cousins does a nice job of getting back to his man, Gasol. And they re-screen Lowry then uh, is picked up by Iguodala and Cousins and throws it into the backcourt basically. But Gasol probably wouldn't have had a shot even with a good pass as late as it was on the clock. So then the, the next play started out pretty awkwardly. The word, uh, it was the maybe it was the personnel or whatever they they were trying to figure out what they were running. But then Curry, you know, this is the the off ball stuff. I mean, it's, I, I've been critical at, at moments during this series that he should he should have the ball in his hands more. He gives it up, yeah, but he was missing all of his threes that he was missing. It seemed like were off the dribble. Yes, correct. And and so he gives it up, and then he he come he gives it up, and then he comes out the other side, and Van Vliet is trailing him pretty closely but curry had curry had enough there to 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 get a pretty clean look from three and hits that three to tie the game yeah and the, the key to this one demarcus set a pretty good screen he did the stick your butt out screen that's now legal uh, apparently uh but the key to it was clay thompson's in the near side corner and then you had andre and draymond handing off with each other so the two guys guarding those guys have to be engaged in that or at least were suckered into being engaged in that and so they they can't help off of those guys to pick up curry curling up there had been previous possessions once kd went out where they would bring curry or thompson off a screen and whoever was guarding draymond usually would be lowry uh, would 
go off of Draymond as soon as he passed it to break up the guy coming off the screen uh that wasn't available because of that little handoff action that involved Draymond and Andre's defenders and Curry hit a huge three to tie the game that was with 122 remaining and you felt at that point like oh this is starting to feel a little bit familiar with some of these crazy Warriors comebacks that that we've seen pretty simple possession for the Raptors Kawhi got a pretty good look on Clay. he went between his legs uh, created some separation took the three uh, over him but it, it was well short and looked like Danny Green might get the rebound but it ricocheted right to Steph Curry and then Curry had the energy for a transition push does that crossover behind the back move uh, that he loves uh, on Fred Fred Van Vliet you know that's what one of those moves where it's like oh how can you, you do that move in this situation but he just he's got the ball in a string and you know for all the times you're going to complain about a behind the back pass that goes into the stands in a critical moment uh you know you got to take it with the that great move that he did to get past Van Vliet Lowry came over and helped Iguodala was under the rim Curry threw it to him Leonard had to rotate off the weak side off of Thompson Iguodala it was a race basically between Kawhi Leonard standing under the basket and Iguodala throwing it out to Draymond at the three-point line and then him throwing it to Clay and the Warriors barely run that won that race both of the passes had a ton of steam on them and Kawhi just couldn't get out there in time he got pump faked and Clay was just absolutely dead bang wide open but all started with the transition push from Curry and kind of scrambling the defense and I don't know if that counted as a fast break point the Warriors were only had three fast break points in the whole game uh, I don't think it was I don't think it was those three and yeah and yeah but but that's one where like you know, it doesn't get counted as a fast break point, but clearly transition was a big yeah, part of, it, of to, what to happened. To me, it's it's about whether the defense is ever ever gets set, and if the defense never gets set, like it like in this case, then it's transition points. That would be how I would determine it. And another important part of that play, I, I'm not going to kill him for like a lack of effort or anything, but Danny Green was the closest player for a second closeout, basically to react to Clay Thompson once Kawhi flew by, and he was he was a step slow, and it was a little you know he didn't he didn't push you know steaming through it. And that shot ended up being really important, put the Warriors up three with 58 seconds to go. So that uh, would be the last time that Golden State would score. So if you're Toronto at, at that point, you're basically thinking we got two possessions and one time of playing defense here, uh, you know, unless we get into fouling. But we've got two possessions to, to work with. And they leave Cousins on the floor defensively, which was a surprise to me. I think they probably could have gone to Livingston uh, at that point. I was even saying Jordan Bell, but Livingston probably would have been the better choice. They did go to Livingston on the very last possession of the game game after demarcus was called for that offensive foul so they go to the lowry gasol pick and roll and gasol rolling to the rim cousins was able to get back into position and bother him we never really got a replay at least on american tv of whether that was a foul or not uh, on cousins certainly gasol and nick nurse thought so uh and there was contact but gasol is not a great finisher and uh, his shot wasn't close but then i love they give it give it to curry in case there's gonna be a foul i loved what the raptors did next day it was awesome yeah so i mean they they did a trap with with 40 seconds to go put a little bit of heat yeah. on it curry but, but with like 17 seconds left uh, on the shot clock so they only had two seconds to get it over at that point right yeah so it was a late one so curry so curry forces the ball i mean has to to draymond green and this was a, it was a bizarre sequence because live it looked like danny green fouled draymond green 
But that was because basically Draymond, from what I could tell, he anticipated the foul and didn't, strangely enough, he didn't take the contact. He moved before it happened. And so because of that, Janie Green was not the reason Draymond Green went behind the behind the line. So it was a, to me, it was a correctly ruled turnover. Yeah, and Cousins, he goes and tries like just to run interference for Curry bringing the ball up and then just runs away from him right as he gets to half court. And that brought Gasol right over and Cousins wasn't available for an outlet either uh so the raps get it back still down three and they go with the lowry gasol pick and roll lowry gets past cousins and cousins uh goaltends him clear goaltend and it's a, a one point game i thought it was interesting that the raptors there's a six second differential nurse had said before that it's with a four second differential or less is when he elects to foul. if it were me i would do it even later uh with like a three second differential personally but they don't trap curry or, or, or do anything like that and the the warriors went to rant, run the exact same play that had gotten curry the previous open three and van vliet was all over it. he knew exactly what was coming this time uh he was top siding curry and he basically forced cousins to set an illegal screen on him and they called the illegal screen in that situation which was uh pretty insane maybe they don't call that on the team uh, you know if it's the team that's down as opposed to the team that's up uh but i'm sure like monty mccutcheon is going to need some time alone with that video uh, tonight because he he has sworn up and down that they don't change the way the game's called in the playoffs they don't change the way the game's called at the end of the game i i was shocked that they called that but it was in fact a, a pretty obvious call cousins had his leg outside the cone of his body he was still moving as well when he, he contacted Van Vliet and it delivered a, a pretty good blow to him and good job by Van Vliet for uh, sticking with Curry enough that, that it, it was an obvious foul. And so with 15.7 seconds left, the Raptors get the ball down one and they... No timeout here, which which I thought was interesting. I, they But they're able to... It's a dead ball. They're able to sub in Livingston. I might have gone with the timeout at this point because you don't really get the advantage of the no timeout, but the, that's not the way they went. And I, I think my biggest criticism was that they kind of took too long to get into what they were doing. Right, because what kind of what happened on the play was that it just didn't have it, it, it got close to developing I mean, it was superhuman play by Draymond but so basically the Warriors blitz Kawhi Leonard throw well, well let me start earlier sure. Lowry brings it up and then they run a zipper cut for Leonard and it, you know they almost looked like they were handling it like it was a tie game you know like the like the, that they didn't feel the urgency uh so they didn't really get it into Kawhi's hands until there wasn't really much time left I mean they wasted probably six seven seconds just even doing that that's true and, that, and that's a really good point and theoretically than the chance for an offensive rebound or or a foul or any any number of other things. Kawhi gets the ball and the Warriors send I believe Clay Thompson was his primary defender at that moment. They send Andre Guadala. And so Yeah, I, I'm guessing Andre just decided to do that by himself. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know. And then I thought Sean Livingston did a nice job closing out. And then so if you think about the geometry of the, the like the positioning of the players on the floor at this point, you're like, wait, that's a lot of guys to handle what's going on right now. And that's on the far side, Drake Draymond is simultaneously fronting Marcus Gasol and the closest guy to Kyle Lowry. So when Livingston forces, I believe that was Fred Van Vliet, to make the pass out to Lowry, Draymond just goes pell-mell and and gets out there and something that you and I both completely didn't catch live because, and we didn't, I didn't even They didn't see, show a replay. They didn't show a replay. Draymond blocked the shot. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that until Lowry uh, said it in the post game presser, and I was I, I was really surprised that Lowry missed it missed it that badly. He's a pretty good shooter, but I mean that was an incredible play by Draymond. He's basically he's actually was guarding Lowry, and Gasol is on the block, and so 
your problem there is that if you go out there too early on Lowry you leave Gasol wide open under the basket and Gasol is such a sneaky screener he's trying to screen Draymond to the inside before the pass even comes to Lowry and so what Draymond did was he just stayed close enough to Gasol's body so he couldn't get the pass to him but he was still on the outside of him so he could just get shot out of a cannon and just you know incredible play for kind of a doughy you know six foot five 235 pound guy to get out there and block that shot on Lowry and uh Warriors live to fight another day in Oakland um so what do you expect going forward here anything anything stick out to you uh other than what we've already discussed as far as things to, to look for in the next game how much the Warriors switch Looney is is likely a key to that maybe they can try some stuff with Sean Livingston I think they should give Jordan Bell a bigger chance though that is a lot harder to do when he hasn't had the reps before and doesn't have the the confidence of the coaching staff but they can't do the same stuff when Cousins and Bogut are out there on the floor so that's a real limitation I think the Raptors in in this iteration of the series I said this after game four the Raptors are the better team in with with this this they, now they didn't win this yeah. game partially because Durant got to be out there and the Warriors were great in the Durant minutes partially because the Raptors just missed a ton of threes and clean looks and the Warriors their shots were by their best players so yeah I, I think the the gravity of it is going it, it goes in the Raptors favor but it's only two games the first one of those is at home the Warriors and so it doesn't take a lot of variance for the Warriors to win a single game in this but I do think that it, it it's going to take some movement some great play by them and some help from the Raptors for the Warriors to actually win the whole damn thing well and there is this too going forward here if the Warriors can take it back to a game seven of the finals we talked about this before game seven in, in 2016 if you go back and look at the history of game sevens in the finals they almost invariably are ugly low scoring close affairs you know we haven't seen and we can recite some of these games right that obviously the 9389 uh Cavaliers win in game six and 2016 very ugly game especially uh, down the stretch 2013 another pretty ugly game seven with both teams exhausted at, after Ray Allen hit the tying shot in game six another pretty low scoring game 2010 the 6 of 24 Kobe game was another one 2005 I mean that was a, an extremely ugly series uh, overall uh, as well and then really you have to go back after that to 1994 Rockets and Knicks and 1988 Pistons Lakers I mean all of these were pretty close hard-fought game it's just kind of the nature of game sevens in the finals at least in recent history 1984 was like that too so expecting the Raptors to just completely kill them in a game seven you know might be unrealistic and maybe the whole idea that you know there's a crazy advantage even more advantage for the home team in game seven especially when you you know this has been a very veteran Raptors team you know the whole Raptors crapping the bed thing is long a thing of the past but potentially blowing a 3-1 lead in the finals uh, being at home you know that's uh I mean we saw the Warriors tighten up in that situation three years ago so certainly uh Toronto if they can it, it would be incumbent upon them to close this out and you know I think this is about as I said about a 50-50 proposition going forward here so that'll do it for us to, tonight a- anything else to talk about b- before we go here Danny no not particularly I'll have some content coming out over the next couple days and the Warriors and Raptors offseason previews will be a little bit later at the Athletic after this, this result but yeah you can keep an eye on that and we will be back for for dunked on tomorrow we will do an NBA cast if there's a game seven but we don't know yet 
if there's going to be one yeah and got of course uh, plenty of scouting reports to, to get to as well we got some more of those in the pipeline more uh, off-season look-aheads as well so thanks again for for joining us on this uh, crazy night of basketball and we'll talk to you all tomorrow night till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply